Welcome to the PriceBlow podcast powered by pre-workouts. PriceBlow is an online tech and media company that provides nutrition industry news, reviews, and interviews with a heavy emphasis on supplementation and sports nutrition. Our system provides supplement deals and price alerts, but in this podcast, we'll explore all things related to performance optimization, industry happenings, and far more. Thanks for joining us and welcome to PriceBlow. Hey everyone, Mike here. In mid-November of 2016, I visited the NutriBio World Headquarters facility in Middlesex, New Jersey to hang out with Mark Glazier and the team behind NutriBio. Throughout the course of the day, we did a lot of interviews, we did a plant tour, and several different taste testings, and basically just got caught up on all the industry happenings and everything going on behind the scenes at NutriBio. All these interviews are posted onto the YouTube channel, but they are still relevant to this day. I'm not posting the, the, the plant tour here because it's just gonna be too noisy. However, we started the day off with a really good interview talking about whether or not supplements are regulated. I knew if I got Mark Glazier going, it would be a good rest of the day, and that was indeed the case. So that's the first interview that we have. After that is the plant tour, which you can see on YouTube, but then we talk about the NutriBio story and how Mark Glazier developed the brand and how they began to do things without compromise, as they say. Afterwards, we got into a little bit more FDA regulations and we made some predictions on whether or not Donald Trump would change the way that the FDA regulated supplements. And it seems like that hasn't really been the case because there's obviously been bigger fish to fry for that administration. Afterwards, we talk about some different whey protein scams, which is really good informational bit for you to learn from. And finally, after that, we talk about how Mark and I would change the industry and make fixes. Now, if you do head to our YouTube channel to see the plant tour videos, you'll want to know that in mid-2019, NutriBio is undergoing another major renovation. So those older videos are going to become out of date, and we're going to have to go back out to NutriBio, catch up, and do another plant tour because so much has changed and the company has grown so much since then. However, all the information in here is still extremely relevant, so I figured it would be really good to put it onto the uh, Price Plow podcast here. So without much further ado, here's Mark Glazier. Welcome to Pricepile. All right, so this is Mike here with Pricepile. I am in Middlesex, New Jersey with Mark Glazier of NutriBio. And so we're gonna do a whole plant facility tour here and everything, but um, Mark, today I wanted to say a lot of people in the general public are often, often state that the supplement industry is unregulated. <clears throat> and so you're just showing me here this like huge batch production record of just one batch here. And you're basically telling me that like this is the law. So. What, is there a misconception out there and like what do you really legally have to do with the supplement? Yeah, there, there's a major misconception about what's regulated and not and it all starts with every time a company gets in trouble in the news, mm -hmm. the politicians and the media get involved and they always, you know, they have to make a big deal of it and make it worse than it is and they always come out and say that our industry is unregulated. It's the wild, wild west. <clears throat> Companies can do whatever they want and nobody's watching it and they always point back to this law that was passed back in 1994 called right. the SHEA, mm -hmm. Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. And they say a couple politicians got together back then, put this together, and it completely deregulated the industry, and everything since then is just you can do what you want. And actually the opposite is true. That is a lie, but it always comes out every single time in the media. The DeShea Act is the first law, the first regulation that ever came about and even defined what dietary supplement right. industry was. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, we could do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. There was drugs, mm -hmm. and there were regulations for drugs. There was food, and there was regulation for food. Mm -hmm. And then there was dietary supplements stuck in the middle, and they weren't regulated. Right. You, can, you can manufacture products in your basement, in your bathtub. Nobody cared, nobody watched. 
So the FDA started to get involved and said, hey, this is no good. And rightfully so, they should have done right, it. Right, it was growing a lot of that but, time. <clears throat> what they did was the wrong way. They said, okay, let's take dietary supplements and let's make it a drug. Well, that didn't make sense because it would have put our entire industry completely out of business overnight. Mm -hmm. We can't regulate our industry as a drug and try and do what they do. Mm -hmm. So that's when DSHEA came out. DSHEA was an act that said, okay, let's define what dietary supplements are. Let's create some laws and regulations behind dietary supplements. And within DSHEA, they defined what a dietary ingredient is, what are legal ingredients, what can we put in products, what can mm -hmm. we put in products. They also, in the DSHEA Act, is where they put in GMPs. They weren't created yet, but that's where the government gave the FDA the power to create CFR 111 GMPs, which came about years later, in 2008. So, so this this was a framework that eventually they added on the GMPs. What do GMPs stand yeah, for? Exactly. GMP is good manufacturing, right. uh, or CGMP. Okay. okay. Current good manufacturing practice is mm -hmm. actually the correct term. And those were those regulations were passed in 2008. Okay, and so that's here, relatively recent. Yeah, then. We've talked a lot over the last years about all the things we do in manufacturing here, and all you know, testing of ingredients, testing of finished products, and all this. And everybody looks at me and says, "Oh, oh wow, you're doing something different. You're, that's great." No, no, it is the law. You're following the law. Yeah, we are following <laughs> actually the law. The problem is, and, and the reason I say that media and politicians get it wrong is because when they attack our industry and say it's unregulated, mm -hmm. well, we can't regulate manufacturing anymore. The laws for CFR 111 are come from CFR 211, which are pharmaceutical manufacturing regulations. And they are almost as strict, in some areas stricter, than pharmaceutical manufacturing. Really? The laws are there, except the FDA has never been given the manpower, the funding, in order to follow through with it, to so police it. So it's not unregulated, but sometimes it may be slower on the enforcement right. on the side. So what do you have to do? Let's say you want to run um, IntraBlast, your IntraWorkout supplement. Right. You want to make a run for it. What do you have to do? What's, what goes into all this right here? Okay, so this is a batch production record. Mm -hmm. This comes from something called a master manufacturing record. And a master manufacturing record is the recipe of what we're doing, how we're going to create this. All product. the ingredients. Every the single ingredient, the formulation, the percentages, the equipment, the machinery, the processes, everything from start to finish. Mm -hmm. From that master manufacturing record, you create an exact duplicate called the batch production record. Right. And this is the directions of what we're going to do to manufacture product. In this is an actual batch for pre. In this particular document, it's going to show you everything, every single human being that came in contact with the entire production procedure. Every piece of machinery mm -hmm. that was used, every single scale that was like used, down to the serial every number, single like process, every, right down, right yeah. down to the serial number mm -hmm. of the machine. So when a company says, you know, oh, oh yeah, we have a product and it was produced wrong and we're missing this ingredient, but we don't know when it happened along the way, well, that's not possible. Because I can tell you every single that's person, every single machine, every single ingredient right down to the lot number, the batch number, the manufacturer, everything is right, right in the stock. So if they're saying that, if they're saying, oh, back in 2012 we had this issue, but we're not sure when it started. Impossible. That basically, it's either impossible or they were breaking the law and they're admitting to Yeah, that. according to CFR 111, that's not, that's not going to be possible because you would have this batch production record. And this batch production record mm -hmm. would show you the exact detail of everything. Now what companies do, and not a lot, they have duplicate batch production records, the FDA has caught this, where they have a batch, real batch production record that was on the floor, and then that gets scrambled, and then they create a secondary one after that. So there's all illegal yeah. crap out there, but that's not the industry as a whole. That's just like in any industry of scumbags out there right, but that are just outright cheating. But if yeah. you're doing this right, you're doing this for every single. This is like yeah. all this is one batch for. This is one batch, okay? Just this one run of you, yeah, one flavor. Just take a walk of one through it. You can see it's going to have every single uh, 
sanitation log and cleaning log for every room that it went in, every mm -hmm. process room, everybody who signed off on it, anybody who was involved in every single piece of machinery. The labels, the actual labels have to be copied on here. Mm -hmm. Now this is a digital copy. The original one is going to have a full color exact oh, label. Really? Okay, yeah. The stamping of what went on the label as far as expiration date mm -hmm. and whatever right off the machinery is going to be on there. So you start with sanitation logs and here is a batch of bomb. This is the materials that we're going to use, how they're pulled from the warehouse, who pulled them from the warehouse, the weights of everything that went from the warehouse. Oh, geez, this yeah. is a weighing log. Wait, so it actually, it's, it, they had to handwrite every single thing that they... Yeah, yeah, it's computerized, but then oh, as right. they're picking every single ingredient in the pharmacy room, in the weighing room, there have to be two people involved in there. They have to sign off, they have to fill in the lot number, the batch number of every single ingredient, the manufacturer so, of every single ingredient, and two people are watching wow. this and signing off all along the way. There's no way for an ingredient to well, be... Well, how do I know those two people are... Or properly like trained, or like, is, is there? As we do a tour of this facility, you're gonna hear me talking about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Understand that everything I say is documented. When I say we're testing this, or this scale is this, or we're doing this process, it's all documented. It all has an SOP, a standard operating procedure. Mm -hmm. Every single procedure has to be written. Here they are. That's, that's, are my, the, that's the law. These are my standing operating procedures for the company. One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six binders of hundreds of operating procedures. So every single process is in there, and that's the law. I have to have those procedures. Now I have to have training of every single staff member who's trained on each one of these procedures. And I can't just say they're trained. I have to document the training, mm -hmm. document the trainers of the trainees, when they were retrained, so if I go out and process in the blending room and I say, okay, this is the two people who are working here, mm -hmm. there's got to be a log that they were trained, when they were trained, who trained them. So it's not just like saying, oh, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing here. Right. It is all documented. When I say we weigh something, that scale is going to be documented right before we weigh it. That scale is going to have to be verified calibrated. right before we yeah. calibrate it. Mm -hmm. And it's all documented. When I say we, do with, we clean down this room, You'll be able to see the document of who cleaned the room, what product was in it before, <laughs> right, them, yeah. who cleaned the room, and how they were trained to clean the room. It's every single aspect of the manufacturer product is in the batch production record. And you're doing every this human so being, every process, every piece of machinery, every ingredient is is there right down to the slightest detail. So let's say I'm Mike from the FDA. I come in. Mark's time for an audit. Mm -hmm. What's kind of like that process? Do you, do they ask for all this documentation? Or you know, we've had four audits so far under GMP. One of our audits was three investigators, three weeks, five days. We're not talking about come in, walk around the facility for a GMP inspection. Wow. We're talking about a hardcore inspection. Huh. What they'll do is just one part of it right. is they will get a list of every production run that we've run for the last whatever. They saw like one year, two year, three year, whatever mm -hmm. they want. Mm -hmm. And they will randomly pick 50 or 100 or whatever they want. And we will have to pull out these documents, mm -hmm. the entire document, manufacturing, master manufacturing document, and batch production document. Mm -hmm. And they will go through this with a fine tooth comb. And then they will ask for all the backup for every part of this. So if we use creatine monohydrate, mm -hmm. that's got to be tested. They'll want to see all the testing results for the identity testing, the purity composition testing, they'll want to see all of that and they'll take it right through to the end. So they will spend, last time, probably about four days just on investigating these wow. documents. Okay. And they randomly pick, you know, last time I think they picked about 50 or 60 of them. I mean, it's a, it's a severe process if it's done right. Mm -hmm. What I said earlier about it being regulated, mm -hmm. the FDA and their own, own admittance I think is only audited about 20% of the companies nationwide. So you have all these other companies that are, you know, they have GMP logos on their products. That means nothing because nobody has ever trademarked the word GMP. You can put it on everything you want. Really? The FDA doesn't care about what you say <laughs> or who certifies you. When they walk mm -hmm. in, they don't want to see your certifications. Right. They, don't want to see, they don't want to see anything. Mm -hmm. All they want to do is like the IRS coming in. They're auditing you. Mm -hmm. They want to see all your documentation make sure you're, done, you're doing it right. And when the FDA comes in here, and I agree with the FDA, I think CFR 111 
is a phenomenal set of regulations that protects the consumer mm -hmm. and it lets us track everything we do. So when we talk about all this stuff, it's actually the law. When we, we're going to walk through the facility and we're going to see what we do here. When we talk about bringing ingredients into our facility and identifying every single one, proving that ingredient is what it is, mm -hmm. pure, proving the potency, the purity of that before it's even allowed in the facility. That sounds great, but it's actually the law. <laughs> you're not doing anything yeah. like special. This exactly. is what everyone's we're, supposed we're, to be yeah, doing. We're doing, we're doing the law. We <laughs> say right. we're testing finished products and we're testing blends and we're doing it. Mm -hmm. It's the law. Right. We have to do this stuff. Uh, we do it, and we've always done. We did, we did most of this before CFR one eleven. Our first audit was under CFR two eleven, which is pharmaceutical, because we had products that were in hospitals. Ooh. So we kind of got audited. We were uh, we were told. I'm not sure if it's true. We were the first company in New Jersey to be audited under CFR one eleven because of our audit under CFR two eleven. So we've had four audits under GMPs. Mm -hmm. We've been audited uh, for dairy facility because we're a protein facility mm -hmm. uh, under environmental. Uh, was where they came in here and took a thousand different swabs of every piece of machinery to see if there was any salmonella. Oh, we've, even, we've even uh, had an audit in the criminal division where one of our suppliers was ripping off the consumers, $50 million worth of bad raw material. And the FDA came in here and did a full investigation of everything we ever bought. They watched every document, saw we tested every single material. We rejected every single material that did not pass specification and we were protected by it. So that's what these laws do. They protect the consumer, they protect the manufacturer. Right. The big problem that we all are worried about, and the hardest part about this is GMPs are only for the manufacturer mm -hmm. of the finished product, whether the manufacturer, packager, uh, store it, or, or label it. Those are the ones that have to follow this. The raw ingredients manufacturers have no GMPs. And that's why you got to test everything that's coming in. It all comes down to me. Right. So you can get stuff from China, from anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, It doesn't matter where it comes from. And once it comes into this facility, I have to make sure it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Otherwise, it's GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. Right. My label can say I have something in it. I didn't test it. I might have done the best job I could, but it's not in there. So I have to make sure every single ingredient is exactly what it's supposed to be before it goes into product. And that's what CGMP is. Gotcha. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah. So you can learn more at, on their website at Nutribio.com, and you can also compare prices on pricepod.com slash Nutribio, where we have coupons and everything. But obviously, I think as we're going to see today, this is a brand you can trust, and today we're going to learn why. So thank you. So Mark, you just um, celebrated your 20th anniversary with Nutribio, 20th birthday really. Right, absolutely. Uh, congratulations first Thank off, you. but awesome. uh, take us through through the whole process. Take us back to the beginning. How did this all start? Where, where were you at? Uh, Nutribio, you know, I don't think it was ever my intention to do supplements as a business. I, I'm a martial artist. Mm -hmm. You know, My whole passion my entire life uh, has been martial arts training. I started when I was six years old, and I mean it just took over all day, every day, in school, out of school, all I did was train. Uh, 12 years old, I started lifting very, very young to lift back. Right. We're talking mm -hmm. in the 70s. And, and so, uh, so my whole life has been about performance athletics. That's all I ever did. Uh, eventually, I opened martial arts schools. And I had a very large organization across the East Coast that had schools from uh, Long Island all the way up to, to Maryland. And uh, one of the largest organizations of its time. And that was, you know, what I loved to do. And uh, a lot of what we did back then was tournament fighting. Uh, Muay Thai kickboxing tournaments mm -hmm. and I would train fighters and I was so much into nutrition that I tried to bring that into my organizations, into my schools and I would work with the fighters and I'd work with the instructors and the staff to teach them how to use proper nutrition and to use supplementation. So, so was this in the 80s or so? Yeah, this okay. in the, set in the, in the mid 80s okay. and late 80s. So I, you know, that's how I really got into 
making supplements. I was making it in my garage, not to sell. I was just making so I had a garage full of tubs of, of different amino acids and mm -hmm. big 50 pound bags of protein. And I would mix and match stuff and I would feed it to, to fighters and to a lot of the guys who were out there. And I would try and see how we can get them to perform better, how we'd get them to the proper weight without losing their endurance, without losing their speed, right. without losing mm -hmm. their strength. You know, how to get them to train harder you know, not bonk in training, but get more out of their training. And that's kind of how this all started. I took my supplementation I was doing myself and I brought it out to these guys. And, you know, I was just making stuff in the garage. And eventually, during those years around 1990, the early 1990s, I started making a shift. I got so into it. Mm -hmm. And eventually I opened the company. It was called Nutribiotics at that time. And the idea behind it was I was going to take these rudimentary formulas that I had made mm -hmm. and and market them so I did I guess what everybody else does when they get started is I went out to contract manufacturers I right. took my formulas and went to four or five of them and priced them out and sat down with them and some of them had great formulators and we took formulas and we beefed them up and we made them better and you know I was all excited because I, I instead of using just my own knowledge now I was using those as a formula back uh -huh. then there was no internet Right. So you weren't able to look up and research on the internet. You actually had to go to the library. I used to go to the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. and spend hundreds of hours there just looking up research papers and stuff like that. It was crazy. It's not like it is now. Anywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, now. you got to respect that. So I launched a, a dozen or so products, and it took off like crazy because mm -hmm. I had a huge following, over 10,000 students back then, uh, even though I was out of the schools, and the products did very, very well. I was excited it took off. Somewhere in the first year and a half or so, I wanted to look at the formulas, reprice, work with, uh, do some changes, and I realized that a lot of these proprietary blends that were put in my formulas, the companies wouldn't give them to me. I didn't know what was in my own products. So I might have taken you know, my specific formulas that I was doing, changed them around, and then all these other ingredients were added in, and I thought that was great. You know, they teach me about each one. Yeah, yeah, let's do that, let's do that. Mm -hmm. But now I could find out what they were. I had actually hired attorneys and go to soup, lawsuit, to try and get my own formulas back from these manufacturers. Wow. And when I finally did get them, I realized why. <laughs> they were protecting the formulas from me the same way I tell you that proprietary blends protect the formulas from the consumers. They don't. They were protecting what was in the formula from me knowing and I was doing the same thing mm -hmm. to my consumer. There was nothing in the damn formulas. So maybe my top ingredients like I had, people don't realize, but I probably had the first nootropic in the sports supplement industry in 1998. You know, now they're really, really big. Course, I, I yeah. introduced something called Nurgen in 1998. Hooperzine, Mimosatine, Ginkgo, and a bunch of stuff like that, all really good dosages. Mm -hmm. But then there were 30 other ingredients in them that were added by the contract manufacturers, mm -hmm. fighting to get my business and trying to make it better and better. Uh, and I realized none of those were dose. They right. were all, you know, acetyl-L-carnitine, one milligram. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it, it was like, I don't know, like my whole life just stopped right so there. So you said, I need to make change based yeah, on because this the, is not working. The people who were buying my product were not the regular consumer. They were my students yeah, and the uh -huh. people I knew, and they put trust in me, and here I'm selling them snake oil, you know, and they believe in me, and it just it, it blew my blew my fucking mind. Wow, I can't it imagine. It just blew it. Mm -hmm. And I spent the next year and a half, two years, just studying the industry, speaking to every formulator I could, testing every single product, learning everything I possibly could about this industry, working with every contract manufacturer I could, and I started to build up a, you know, a good concept of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, 2001 came around, and end of 2000, and I was just fed up. 
I literally I walked in the office was in Long Island at the time. I walked into the office one day and I said, "That's it." Mm -hmm. We, true story, we called dumpster trash company. About 15 trucks pulled up and we dumped almost an entire warehouse into the dumpsters, filled them with wow. water to ruin the product. I threw away at one shot about somewhere between a quarter million and three hundred thousand dollars worth of product in two thousand and one dollars. That's the commitment I made back wow. then. Wow. My guys could not believe it. You we went all in and you said and dump it. Yeah. It, we're yeah, manufacturing it, ourselves. That's it. No, we couldn't we weren't there yet. But okay. we, I took these products that I just saw, but they were shit. They weren't worth selling anymore. We, we threw them out. Now, we didn't get rid of everything because we were selling creatine, right. pure whey iso. These were just pure products, and we weren't making those. We didn't know what was really in them, if they were good proteins or bad ingredients or not. But, but we these took the blends. all the ones that had really shitty blends, and mm -hmm. the active ingredients weren't strong enough to, to really sell, and we threw it out, and we started with them. So That's that was awesome. 2001, <laughs> and I made the commitment back then, no proprietary blends. Mm -hmm. No, we'll never use a proprietary blend in a product again. Full label disclosure. No fillers or excipients in any product. Because I learned all these other games. I learned how extreme mass games and stuff full of garbage. I was just yeah. there to fill the tub and nothing mm -hmm. else. So no proprietary blends, full label disclosure, no fillers uh, in the product, no excipients at all. So we took all the chemicals out of there that were in there for absolutely no reason at all. And we made the, the guarantee of full therapeutic doses. This is 2001 you're doing 2001. I mean, now it's cool because it's starting to happen now and everybody's right. saying. But we've <laughs> actually done this whole thing since, you know, it's 15, almost 16 years now yeah. that we've done full therapeutic dosages, no proprietary blends, full label disclosure, no fillers, no excipients, no additives, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, even back then, I considered flavor to be an additive. We were talking about that later. I wouldn't even flavor anything, but I succumbed to that. Now, <laughs> you know, if I ever sold out in this industry, that would be it. I started to add flavor to it. So in 2001, we made that, that guarantee, and we now have 350-some-odd products in our line, and we don't have a single proprietary blend in mm -hmm. every. And that got better and better. Like, you know, back then, we listed every active ingredient. Now we even list every inactive ingredient and right. the dose that's on our label. We want full right disclosure there. to the consumer because we want them to see what they're putting in their body. And I, I always say this, this, this is a food, this is a drug. It's not paint that you're putting on your bathroom wall. You don't mm -hmm. care how long it lasts, you're putting it in your body. Mm -hmm. You want to know what it is and the consumer has the right to know exactly what they're doing. They might not do the research and I might not see that you're putting enough caffeine or creatine or whatever right. you're putting in there, but they should have the right to do it if they want to do it and know exactly what's going in their mm -hmm. body. So that's the basis of this company for, for all these years. I'll show you. This stays right here by my desk for the last 15 years. This is Muscle Matrix. The one, this is your first one. New my first Muscle Matrix. Uh -huh. okay, this is our original label. Mm -hmm. it, most of the labels were green with our green logo going up the side here. And you can look on the back here. There's my ingredients. Oh my. It'll take you 20 minutes to read that. Okay? <laughs> this could be the first green oh, protein ever on a product. There's like 60 vegetables and fruits in there. What's the, what's the dosage? One milligram? We, to this point, I can never figure out what's in here. There must be six <laughs> or seven different proteins in here. The label is incorrect. You know, it, it comes out to like 40 some odd percent protein. I thought it was a great product. Uh -huh. I still don't know what's in it. Now you look at Muscle <laughs> Matrix today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's totally different. It. It's 55% whey protein isolate, 45% mm -hmm. micellar casein. The label tells you exactly how much of each protein is used. Mm -hmm. It shows you the exact yield of complete protein coming from each of those. It shows you every active and inactive ingredient, the dosage of all. It tells you how much sucralose or stevia is in it, whatever we're using, how much flavor is in there. That's Everything huge. is yeah. listed right it's on right the table. There. Because people want to know why I do that all these years. Well, this is it. This is what I was selling. My followers, my students, uh -huh. people who really trusted me 20 years ago. And that's what blew my mind. That's why I'm so kind of passionate when people start to argue with me, no, proprietary ones protect this bullshit. 
Mm -hmm. Bullshit. If you're making a product and you believe in the product and you believe in the formula, put it on the label. Anybody can copy it if they want to. Mm -hmm. If it's something that you've developed that can be trademarked, trademark it. If it can be patented, patent it. That's your protection. But if it's not a patented or trademarked name, put the damn thing on the label and you know, put your name behind what you're actually putting in the product. If they want to copy it, they'll copy it either way. And that's what we're doing. And you, you can see right here where we've gone. From what to <laughs> I can't what. believe this label. This is incredible. Yeah, it's actually, it's not even, so the, right, I, it's not even the right order. The, the maltodextrin, the filler right. in there is like the first ingredient. Uh -huh. You know? Have you this, is not a, this is not a real replacement. This it almost sounds like you're pattern. guilty about this. Like, have you forgiven yourself? I think, I think enough time Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, now you, I, uh, you're, you're good. Don't worry. The first ingredient on a protein powder is maltodextrin. I think you've definitely helped more people than, than you've heard. That's for sure. Yeah, the whole yeah. got hurt, but... And at oh, the same time, you can see the name Nutribiotics. We actually changed the name at the same time. We restarted repackaging. So it was a whole company change. Yeah. What year was the... Was that, was that a 2001 change from Nutribiotics? Yeah, 2001 we changed to Nutribiotics. Gotcha. Uh, right around that area. Okay, so, then moving forward, when did you get into the manufacturing part of things? That, well, I also made... Uh, here. I, I made the promise that we would start manufacturing. That didn't happen day one. Right. So over the next few months, we started to do our own powders, the straight powders, mm -hmm. the whey isolate. You know, we didn't buy anymore. We brought in the powder. We started to process it ourselves here. And that's the first, you know, foray I had into ingredients. And now we started looking at the ingredients. And I went, wow, I didn't even know. I wasn't even thinking about all the scams that the ingredient companies were playing. So the next couple of years, as I started manufacturing uh -huh. and see whey protein concentrates and whey protein isolates and all of these things and bringing in creatine, and back then creatine was bad. I mean, you could right. buy creatine that was in the 80% pure. Well, mm. creatine is not a concentrated product. It's a pure product. It should be 99.99% right. purity. Mm. It shouldn't be 86%. And we started bringing in ingredients from all over. And that was stage two, mind-blowing, boggling experience. Holy mm. crap. If I'm not in control of this, how do I know what the hell's going into my product? Right. So we started with powders, and we started to do blended powders, and there was no CFR 111. There were no regulations for manufacturing back then. You know, we, we laughed at the way we started making our first blend of uh, our first pre-workouts. We don't have any more called AKG Stack. It was creatine, alpha ketoglutarate, glutamine alpha ketoglutarate, mm -hmm. uh, all alpha ketoglutarate. Uh, Based products mm -hmm. is we put it in a five-gallon drum and we'd shake it over our head. That's how we started, <laughs> you know, in 1996. You've come a long way. Bleds, yeah, uh, and then we got better and better, and eventually, four to five years later, we got into encapsulation, and mm -hmm. we showed you how we do the encapsulation out there. So it's been a process, uh, and it all comes from from what you see here. So it's a very you know people think I'm very passionate about what I do. Other people think I'm just faking it because it's a marketing ploy. But if you call it a marketing ploy, it's been a 16-year marketing well, You were doing it. See, yeah. this is what I noticed about, about Mark Glazier, the, really the pioneer, the innovator. You've been doing things since before they were marketing plays. You've been doing things um, before it was cool. Like proprietary blends, the attack on proprietary blends started really taking hold 2012, 2013 especially. Right. right. That's like 12 years after you yeah, <laughs> had already we were, begun it. Yeah. And then, so uh, earlier when we met, um, when we met at the last convention, I remember you telling me, uh, your your martial arts background. You it seems like you're also kind of pioneering, at least not pioneering, but you were preaching mixed martial arts before mixed martial arts were even a thing. Like yeah, I don't take credit for no. Anything, okay, but, but my school. What was were, your school of thought? We're a combination. You know, I I learned kicking from taekwondo. I did American boxing and kickboxing. Mm -hmm. My instructor, uh, master instructor, Justin, the first world champion, one of the greatest fighters in history, was a kickboxer. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a traditional martial arts style. So I I saw that. And I started. 
you know, my system, I started to mix different martial arts in there. Grappling wasn't around, I wasn't doing jujitsu or anything like that. And same thing, everybody just made fun of me all day because I wasn't a traditionalist. Right. Know, I was banned from the community, but I didn't care. I was running my schools <laughs> mm -hmm. and I taught them my way of doing it, you know. Uh -huh. Instead of doing the old traditional stances that I was taught, we were doing upright boxing stances. And I was, you know, there's articles that you can see in some of the magazines up there about those stories and about people ripping me apart. But I, you know, I've always done things my way, uh -huh. right or wrong. I've got to do what's in my heart. I got to do what I feel. I did it back then when I had my schools. My schools are still out there under other people's names. The instructors run them. They're doing phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, I I pass that on to them. And they're doing things that they really believe in, and they're not listening to people who tell them, you know, to do things in a weird way. And that passion, you know, went right into my products. You know, I'm yeah, very lucky. It. You know, I had two amazing parents. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, my mother really taught me I can do anything I want to be. Everybody says that you can do be who you want to be. No, right. my mother instilled that in me. Mm -hmm. She made me feel that I can be and accomplish anything I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And my father was this straight guy who started as a bookkeeper making like thirty dollars uh, a week, and he eventually, over thirty years, took over a company. And it was always mm -hmm. about what he taught me was you have to be straightforward. Your handshake is everything. Your word is your bond. Uh -huh. And you can do it the fast way, the sleazy way, make a quick buck, or you can do it the right way. Sometimes that ends up being fast, but you must do it. And he taught me that from you know when I was a child. Awesome. And those two things, it, it stuck with me my whole life. And, and that's how I did it back then, and that's how I do it now. I can't put a bad product on the market just to make a little more money. Right. And by the way, I think, that's, I think that's good business anyway. Right. Because if you put a product in the market that's a pre-workout, mm -hmm. stemmed out, but all the active ingredients that should be creating that effect in the body, that anabolic effect in the body, are not in there, the consumer does not get long-term benefit. So they'll bounce around to another product. Yeah, just go from the flavor yeah. of the month to the month. If you're serious about time. your protein powders mm -hmm. and you're taking out all that garbage that's in there and you're giving them a pure powder that they're not going to get stomach cramps from, they're not going to get bloated from, they're not going to get all this nonsense that we hear all, you know, we work with a lot of NFL uh, athletes that just can't even take protein powders and we look at what they're taking oh, and yeah, say, oh, right. what do you expect? That's, mm -hmm. you know, if you have that approach to trying to make the best product you can, and trying to give the consumer the best benefit. I think that's the right approach to business. We're not a nonprofit, you know. I'm trying to build a business, right. a better, you know, way for my family, my my son, and everybody that's here. These mm -hmm. people are devoted to this company. Yeah. Some of these people have been here for ten plus years, so they believe in me. I have to give them a better life, so we have to grow, and we have to profit. But you can do that by ripping people off, mm -hmm. or you can do it with a slower way. Our way has been 20 years. Yeah, there's a lot of companies much bigger than us. Uh -huh. There's a lot of companies much more profitable than us. That's fine. I'm doing it my way and I've done it this way and I'm going to continue to do it this way. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your success. Yeah, if yeah. I've learned anything here, it's that um, it's hard to look at certain other supplements after you see the NutriBio facility and talk to Mark Leisure. And um, there is nothing I, I, right now, there's nothing more I trust putting into my body. And so it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish everyone could experience what I just experienced today. But at the same time, they're going to get to see the video. So you know, stay, uh, stay on top of our YouTube channel. There's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going we're gonna to show here. And you're going to see how passionate this man is, which you've already seen. But you're also going to see uh, the, the manufacturing process and how uh, meticulous it is and how skilled your employees are. And everyone respects you. And it's just an incredible environment here. So thank you so much. Let me just add one thing. You know, I put down <laughs> an industry a lot and I tackle a lot of 
industry practices that I think are garbage. But there are a lot of good companies out of there. Of course, right yeah. Especially in the last few years, there's a lot of guys that are really sincere about what they're doing and they're learning. And I don't want to say that I'm the only one out there doing no. this. It doesn't matter who was first, who was last. If somebody comes out with a no-prop blend product tomorrow, I'm not going to be sitting there comparing who did it first. The important thing is that they do it. Right. That they are doing mm -hmm. it and they're doing it the right way. And this market is changing. These mm -hmm. guys, we talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm. New guys are coming into this and they are standing behind their product and they are taking the prop blends out and they're doing protein powders and they're disclosing what's on there. Mm -hmm. And I think the consumers should be excited about the future of this industry. Agreed. Because I think the tide is turning in and this industry. You've done a lot to do that. I, and I, I still just love the fact that I can buy this tub and I know where this tub was bottled. I can book a flight here, come here and be like, Mark, this tub right here, you know, and it's it was made here. There's well, no question about it. Next time you come, thing. we're going to take your peach, mango, <laughs> Intra, we're going to put it on the line, oh, and yeah? we're going to get you out there suited up, or we're going to let you make it. That, I'd be honored. Do you have any opinions or um, ideas on what the Trump administration might do with some of this? I was kind of thinking, like, he built himself as law and order, but at the same time, less regulation. So, in that case, CFR, 11, CFR is not going anywhere, but... If you have law and order, you're hoping that there might be some sort of enforcement, maybe. I don't know. Well, I hope there, there is. I mean, yeah. the law without enforcement is useless. Right. Know? And that's the problem with this industry. It's, it's fucked up. It's, all the politicians just seek, say the same thing. There is no regulation. And when they say that, we can't fix the problem because there is regulation, but there is no enforcement of the regulation. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody speeding down Route 78 here, and the cops say, oh my God, you know, it's, every day we have more and more people speeding, and the politicians get up there, oh, we need a speed limit. <laughs> we have a speed limit. No, we need a speed limit. We need speed limits. And then they scream and yell about it for weeks, and at the end it disappears because they can't put speed limits and when they're already there. So that's what they do. They yell about regulation. We need regulation. We, but they don't do anything because the regulation's already there, and they know it's there. So it dies away until the next scam company gets caught doing uh -huh. something. They yeah. skip, but if they get out there and say, yeah, there is regulation, they're not just interested in making a news blurb that night, which mm -hmm. is all they ever give a fuck about, is being on a 30-second news blurb. Mm -hmm. you know, politicians and the media, they just got to say nasty shit. If they really care, the politician will get out and say, look, we can fix this. We, Congress, did the right thing in 2008. Mm -hmm. We passed CFR 111 strict guidelines and regulations for manufacturing of supplements. This company just put out a product that didn't meet label claim. It's already regulated. They were supposed to test that ingredient of every ingredient mm -hmm. and the finished product to make sure it made label claim. They created a product that was illegal. The problem is not the regulation is not there. We got to get together and we got to back the regulations that we already have. We passed. have the law. So I'm we now need... gonna I'm now going taking this back to Congress and I'm gonna look for two hundred million dollars to fund the FDA so they can go after and impose these regulations that are already there and and and, and go out and police them and enforce them. But they won't do that because no fucking congressman or senator ever wants to get out in the media and says, I'm going to spend more money. Right. I'm going to go back mm -hmm. to Congress and get more money. They just want to say, yeah, we're going to put more laws out there. You can't. You asked me that question earlier? No, the laws are there. They're strong. Mm -hmm. They're really strong. Let's start enforcing them and clean up the bad guys. Gotcha. We got the law. We need the order. Right. I mean, this industry is no mm -hmm. different than any other industry. There's, right. really, no, and there's bad. There's ugly. There's great. There's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. People who care. And there's always those bad eggs that are going to just screw it all up for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that will always be there. We and they're try. in every industry, whether it's Absolutely. car tires or yeah, whatever. We got to try to regulate them. Mm -hmm. You know, watch what they're doing better. All right, so, so you asked me the question, what other things I'd like to see cleaned up and labeling, and, and, 
And one is, I think that CFR 101, that's the labeling regulations, that start to talk about you know, how you differentiate an ingredient. Like, here's a big example in our industry, whey protein concentrate. We yeah. all think it's one ingredient. You look on a product, and it has a proprietary blend, the first ingredient is whey protein concentrate. Everybody mm -hmm. thinks, okay, it's whey protein concentrate, then it's an isolate, then there's micro casing. There's three ingredients, mm -hmm. roughly a third each. Proprietary blend, so we don't know that, but it's worse than just a proprietary blend and not knowing those three. That whey protein concentrate can have two, three, or four ingredients under that heading. Because the USDA defines whey concentrate as a protein coming from whey that's between a, a four of 25 and up to 89.9% protein. Above that, it's reclassified as whey protein isolate. It's mm -hmm. not the manufacturing, the science, and all that. It's just the level of protein content that distinguishes between concentrate and isolate. So you have this range of concentrates that's as low as 25 up to 89.9. That's a so huge companies range. will go out there and they'll put whey protein concentrate, and what do they buy? They buy WPC 34, right. whey protein concentrate 34, which is 34% protein. It's garbage. What's, the, hey, other, yeah, what? what's the other 66%? Yeah, it tastes great. It's fat and it's sugar. Yeah. It's like cocoa is bitter, it tastes horrible. Put in cream, put in sugar, it's uh -huh. a Hershey bar. Well, <laughs> whey protein concentrate 34 is low in protein, mm -hmm. only 34%, but tastes delicious. Put in your product, your two-pound tub is dirt cheap, mm -hmm. right? But tastes great also, that's just what the consumer wants. Low priced, great taste, but the percentage of protein is very low. Now, the average consumer will look at that, and the scoop size will be so damn big, they're not right. going to buy it. So what the company will do is they'll take WPC-34, mix it with some 60 maybe, and mm -hmm. mix it with some WPC-80. That's why I said it's a proprietary blend in itself. So there's a norm out there, an industry standard, where they're blending two to three types of whey protein concentrate. And the idea is to get the cost down as low as you can, but keep the protein right up at that level so that there's compliance with the consumer. Right, the 22 consumer grams does per it, scoop. Yeah, the consumer doesn't notice that a 22-gram scoop is coming from 80 grams, a 22 is coming from 40, so it's 50% or whatever. Right. So that's what they're doing. The science has not been to getting the protein better. It's how to get the protein cheaper, how to get it tasting better, mm -hmm. okay? so the, And the label will say whey protein concentrate. They won't even say whey protein concentrates. You know, so you can That's say, okay, point, there's yeah. two or three. I think yeah. the regulations say if you're putting in more than one ingredient under one head, then you better list each one of those ingredients. Yeah. Whey protein concentrate, 34. Whey protein concentrate, 80. And put them in there or, mm -hmm. or do something gotcha. to let the consumer know that, hey, it's not what the label makes it appear to be. So you, think whey, you think whey protein should have its own kind of classification at this point? I think the regulations say you can't put the word whey protein concentrate when there's multiple classifications. You have to put the type that's on there. Hmm. You know, why not? Or say multiple whey protein concentrates at least, mm -hmm. you know? Because the consumer does not know what they're getting. And, and, and it gets, if you look at where the technology has gone in the last 20 years, it's not gone to make a better protein. It's, okay, we now figured out this whole concept of using whey concentrate 34. Really mm -hmm. creamy, tastes freaking great, right? Mm -hmm. We've come up with protein spiking over the last years, where we take aminos and throw it in there, and that spikes up mm -hmm. the nitrogen level, which makes it look like there's more protein. Right. But guess what? You put those two together, and what happens? Well, yeah. whey protein concentrate 34 is dirt cheap, Crazy cheap but product, you need yeah. too much of it, and the consumer notices it. Take a few grams of creatine monohydrate or mm -hmm. something like that, throw it in there. Now, all of a sudden, that 25-gram scoop is only coming from 33 grams of protein of overall instead of 70. So right. you solve that problem oh, of this yeah. huge scoop by spiking creatine. Creatine, by the way, is almost three times its nitrogen yeah, value tons when, of nitrogen when it's tested yeah. as, a, as a whey protein, as a dairy protein. Mm -hmm. So one gra 10 grams will be 27 grams yeah. of protein content when there's none in there. 
Mm -hmm. Same thing with arginine. Taurine's much lower, but there's reasons that they do this. So it's not just one scam. It's how you take proprietary blends and screw with the customer's mind and put all these things in and not tell them. And then you take concentrates and use these lower-end concentrates, which make the dosage of protein really low, and then you spike it up. And by the way, the opposite happens. You put too much creatine in a product, too much taurine in a product, it gets gritty. It doesn't yeah, taste good. The, the so what do you do? Yeah. yeah, you mix it with a shitload of whey protein concentrate 34, that creamy, sweet taste. Those two cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. That low percentage of protein gets canceled out by the fake nitrogen value. So the ingenious of this freaking industry, if you want to scam a consumer, is taking proprietary blends, taking WPC bait switch tactics, taking protein spiking, mm -hmm. you know, hiding everything underneath the ingredient statement where you don't even have to tell them anything at all and they can't figure it all out, just confuse the hell out of them. And that's why these products are so bad. Now, again, let me do the caveat. There are some great protein powders out there. Yeah. And unfortunately, I speak to a lot of brand owners that are small, up and starting, and they don't understand this, so they go right into doing proprietary blends. Mm -hmm. And then as I explain this and they learn it, they go back to their you know, contract manufacturer, and they look for their master manufacturer record. I want to see this actual document. I want to see mm -hmm. what kind of whey protein concentrate is in there. Don't tell me. Let me see the last batch, batch production record. Mm -hmm. And they say, holy crap, you're right. They're using WPC-34 in here. So a lot of brand owners, you can't just, I, that's why I never attack a brand owner or a company. Because I made these same mistakes. I didn't do protein spike in the early years just because it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it. But you know what? I might have been fooled too, just like anybody else. But when I launched my company, I had proprietary blends. I really believe they were protecting my secret formula. Yeah, what I think some of our readers, we have a big amino acid spiking article. We've educated well over half a million people on this. Right. And it grows every day. It's the top, uh, top article still to this day. A lot of people don't realize that some of the brands didn't realize that they were getting spiked because it was happening at the contract manufacturing level or at the raw material supplier before that. Right. And, you and so you can't, it's tough to call out any brand, although the brand is ultimately who got sued. Right. right? I mean, the brand is one who ultimately gets sued. So you want to ask why I manufacture? Because you have these multiple tiers going on. You have ingredient manufacturers at the top. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to get bids from all these manufacturers. So they will do whatever they can to their product to try and get manufacturers to buy them. Then you have the manufacturers. All these brands are getting three or four quotes. So the manufacturers have to find ways to win yeah. the quote. Then you have the brand who might you know, find ways to sell to the store. So you have these multiple levels of deceit if they want to do it in there. Right. Hopefully it's a lot of companies aren't, but it's possible at right. every level, every, so, level, every layer you add absolutely. and you add a possibility of deceit. So for me, I want to choose that ingredient. I want to make sure mm -hmm. that I know every ingredient that's coming in and going to my product. I manufacture it so I control the chain of custody of the ingredients straight to me. I control mm -hmm. every process, every critical control point along the way. I know what's going on and then I can send it to the consumer. So that's the reason I do that. Awesome. All right. Well, NutriBio.com if you want to learn more and PriceLaw.com slash NutriBio if you want to check out our latest coupons and save money on the whey protein. I will say, uh, as you're going to see through all of our plant tour and everything, it, it is not the cheapest stuff on the market for a reason. And now you're starting to learn why. Before we go further, there's a reason this bottle of tequila is on the table. Mike can explain his, his concept, which I totally agree with. So um, Mark and I were just kind of shooting it. and. One thing I said is like, hey, I know that if I buy a Nutribio supplement, I know exactly where it's getting made. I can fly to Newark and then come over here to Middlesex and here it is. And so um, I think that, you know, there should be a law that states on every bottle, I should know where this supplement was capped and where this, uh, or where it was bottled. And so Mark 
then pulled out his tequila bottle here, which actually shows. Yeah, I, I think it's a great me. idea because you always hear me talking about why I manufacture because I want to control everything. And I talked about contract manufacturers and how I, I don't know what they're doing, but there are some great contract manufacturers out there, mm -hmm. and I'm sure Mike, Mike knows a lot of them, and they should get credit for it. So when he brought that up, I was just showing him, in the tequila world, there's a hundred different distillers in Mexico. That's it. There's over a thousand brands. But by law, see this number, no, one, four, nine, three? Mm -hmm. That is the distillation. That's the company that's making it. So anybody can look at this bottle, and they might trust the brand, they might trust the brand owner, but now they know whether they can trust the manufacturer of the mm -hmm. brand itself. Who's and the pros, they know that stuff. Right. They visited and, and I think you're tour. right. I think that would be a great idea so, for our industry because it protects the good manufacturers, contract manufacturers that are getting a bad rap from the bad contract manufacturers. Because we were talking, there's some great ones out there. Right. But you can't imagine how many of these brands that pop up out of nowhere. And it's right. not the owner's fault all the time. Mm -hmm. you know, they might be really enthusiastic about making a brand, and they go to this guy who's making a contract you know, someplace out here somewhere mm -hmm. in a warehouse. He doesn't, the, the new guy in the, in the brand owner doesn't know all these GMP laws. And he doesn't know that this guy's scamming them and making crap in this yeah. non-GMP facility, not mixing, not blending, not testing anything. And that would be a great control system. So yeah, that was one idea. I guess my, my question above that would be, let's, are there any other... <laughs> it's not even noon yet, maybe later. So um, <laughs> are there any other Forgot ideas that you have, like, okay, so you've been doing the manufacturing stuff for 16 years now. Are there any laws that you think should be there, kind of like that one? Are there other ideas that we could have that if I was like a professional lobbyist that you would be lobbying me for to, here's how you fix the supplement industry? Uh, or not fixed, but you know, improve. Yeah, I, I've got to say, as far as the manufacturing, when you start looking over CFR 111, mm -hmm. and, and I'm not into government over-regulation. I think, right. like you said before, I, I think we, we need to regulate ourselves for the most part and get all this government interaction out of our lives. But I do agree with CFR 111 because, uh, you know, a supplement is a drug, a food is a drug. Anything you're putting into your body can cause all type of reactions. And we just mm -hmm. think of it as, okay, I'm taking a crappy protein, so I'm not going to get a benefit of it. But you can be taking nootropics, you can be taking other products that Serious actually stuff. get you yeah. depressed, can mess you up, can, can kill you in some different ways. So food is a drug, dietary supplement is a drug. So mm -hmm. CFR 111 is an amazing set of rules. And I'm totally for it. And by the way, the industry was for it. The industry right. uh, pushed it forward. Maybe not the sports supplement portion of the industry, but the overall dietary supplement industry. The laws and regulations there require us to test all the raw materials. We mm -hmm. can't just take them in from the outside. Require us to test the finished product. So we see these products that fail out there, like, oh, everybody in the media says, oh, they don't even test them enough to do. No, the law says you have to scientifically validate that product for purity, potency, composition, and identity. You have to test that product to make sure you're making label claim before you sell it to the consumer. So there are this whole set of laws of CFR 11, when you look deep into it, if you're doing it properly, are amazing and really protective. Okay, so getting back to the original question, has there ever been a time where you're like, oh, maybe there should be a law on that because it's a little too gray area, or do you think that it's more, the laws are pretty good for the most part and just not enough enforcement? Do you have any? The manufacturing laws are pretty good. I think where mm -hmm. I start to get upset is in the after, you know, in, in, the, in the labeling portion of it, the proprietary blends that are put on there. Uh, would you, if you, if you're a congressman, would you make proprietary blends illegal? I don't think you can. You, 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 you can't. Uh, I mean, foods, uh, proprietary blends come from foods. Okay, when gotcha. you buy a food and you're buying donuts, you don't care about how much wheat or flour is there. You care about the, the macronutrients. Nobody mm -hmm. says, oh, there's 
five extra milligrams, and that's where it was adopted from there to here. So now we care about, in our industry, we care about every ingredient. We care how much citrulline malate is in there. Mm -hmm. In a donut, you don't care how much flour is in there. So it was adopted from foods and brought into dietary supplements. Mm -hmm. it, it really needs to be changed. I would love the FDA to come in and say, okay, if it's an active ingredient, show the consumer the dosage. If it's a drug, the consumer's gonna know the exact dosage. But if it's a supplement, right. we don't have to put that. So yeah, I, I don't think it would ever happen, but I would love to see more disclosure on a label, full disclosure on a label. Okay, maybe not your flavoring system and stuff like that. Right. Protect that proprietary part so somebody can't copy your color and flavor and mm -hmm. consistency. But for, if you're saying that this is my pre-workout and I'm putting in these eight active ingredients, mm -hmm. and now the consumer is looking to that and saying, okay, I know what citrulline does, I know what beta-alanine does, I know what betaine does, I'm getting a benefit from this product, right. but then it's not in there. Because the whole dosage is four grams, and maybe each one of those has to be from one to three to five grams, and it really There's no way it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, it doesn't happen. So the it's legal, and the marketing pushes the benefits of all these ingredients, but the consumer never realizes mm -hmm. that they're not getting it. And I'm sick and tired of everybody coming back at me and saying, "Oh, proprietary blends protect our secret formula." Bullshit! You have to list the ingredient on the label. Once you list the ingredient on the label, I send it to the lab and they test for it and I have your formula a week later. <laughs> yeah, depending on the complexity of the formula, it might cost me 300 up to $3,000. Mm -hmm. But if you have a secret formula that's selling $100 million, I'll spend $3,000 to right. copy it, of course. <laughs> who's it hiding it from? It's hiding it from the consumer mm -hmm. who's not going to take that pre-workout, send it out, test it, and find out there's only two grams of citrulline malate instead of six grams or whatever. Right. You're really only hiding it from the consumer. I just had this argument three times this past two weeks with, with high-end people in this industry mm -hmm. who are still trying to tell me that that's protecting our formula. Bullshit. There's not a formula out there that's not on the label unless you're not disclosing. That's, that's very illegal. illegal. Yeah, 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 so that's not you know that's not the issue. Mm -hmm. But if it's on the label, I can test for it, and right. I can know. And that's 99% of the time. You can't really test for whey protein isolate versus whey protein content. So there's a few ingredients mm -hmm. that blend together that you really can't figure out. But anything else, if there's caffeine in there, I'll test for caffeine. I know to the milligram yeah. how much caffeine is in there. Mm -hmm. So that's nonsense. You know, we're part of a bigger industry. The sports supplement industry is part of the overall dietary supplement right. industry. That industry is going in the right direction. There's something called clean label that's just taking over the country. In the sports supplement industry, nobody even knows what that is yet. Mm -hmm. Clean label is, and it has a lot of definitions, it's not you know, set in stone yet, but it's, hey, how do we create a label that people can read and understand? Mm -hmm. Get rid of all the stuff on there, all these chemicals and things that people don't want in the product anyway. Clean it out, make the label clean, get rid of the magsteric silicon dioxide, all these excipients. Make the label easier to understand. Get rid of, and part of it is getting rid of artificials and non-GMOs and stuff like that mm -hmm. too. But it's basically how do we make a label that's clean, that has full disclosure, that has transparency. That's where the larger industry is going. And you've going. been doing that forever yeah. though. That's, so that's, that's awesome. The, like, that's where the industry is going. And the sports supplement manufacturers have to look at the overall industry right. and say if that's where everybody's going, we have to take our segment in that direction. Because mm -hmm. i got to tell you, it has changed in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, nobody gave a crap what was in their product. Nobody heard about it proprietary blends. When I outlawed proprietary blends in this company in 2001, mm -hmm. I couldn't even get my own consumer to understand what it was talking about. It was, it was, you know, a foreign language to them. But now consumers are doing it because more and more sports have gotten involved. The average person is taking dietary supplements who's just working out at the gym. 15 years ago, they weren't. Mm -hmm. CrossFit is taking over. MMA is taking over. All these people are getting involved and they're asking for more and more information. Our segment of the industry has to go in that direction. They have to get disclosure. Stop the bullshit about proprietary blends protect my secret formula. Right, okay, really. And by the nice. way, 
We're in a renaissance right now. It is changing. Mm -hmm. There's sure. a lot. Of, it's not just me anymore from 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of brands that have launched in the last year, year and a half that have pre-workouts that are formulated great, mm -hmm. have no proprietary blends. Mm -hmm. A lot of these guys are coming from, it's their second time around, they're coming from other brands, they right. broke off yeah. or, or whatever, but they're they're creating really good products. I mean, pre-workouts five years ago, there were one or two out there. You know, now, I don't know, there's 30, 40, 50, I can't even count how many yeah. non-proprietary blends. Intra workouts, mm -hmm. pretty much all because they're a newer segment. Proteins, forget it, the industry is just- There's like four of you, yeah. Nobody's doing it, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's hiding their proteins and proprietary, worse than proprietary blends, mm -hmm. they're not even putting it on the supplement facts panel, they're burying it underneath in the ingredient statement where they don't even have to list the total of the blend. Right. And now you have no is that, clue. Is that something you change? With yes. protein specifically? I, I, I would love that's the FDA like to say. Food, that's more like a food kind of supplement though. Yeah, I would love the FDA to say, hey, the ingredients, there's two parts of that dietary supplement. There's the panel itself mm -hmm. and there's something called the ingredient statement. That's right. the fine print underneath. Mm -hmm. And usually what's in there traditionally is all the additives, the flavors, the sweeteners and stuff like that. But what companies have realized over the years is if I put a proprietary blend in the supplement facts panel, I don't have to tell you the individual ingredient dosages, I just have to mm -hmm. tell you the total. But if I take that same blend and I put it underneath in the ingredient statement, I don't have to tell you anything about it. And that's why they put it down there because if, I, if somebody puts out you know, a 20 gram dosage mm -hmm. of mixed proteins, Mm -hmm. And it yields 19.9 grams of protein, and somebody calculates that and says, "Holy shit, that's 99 percent. That's yeah. impossible <laughs> to do." Right. Well, that's why they don't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying all companies are scamming. A no, lot of companies just follow suit, and that's the way it's done, so they still do it. And a lot of brand owners don't know it. So I, I don't want to get you know, of course not. Out there that every company is doing that to cheat. But what we have to do as an industry is we have to get away from that. We have to take all those active ingredients, like you said earlier, mm -hmm. out of the ingredient statement on the bottom. If it's active, put it up top with the dosage have transparency, let the consumer know exactly what you're putting in the product. Product. Leave that section for your sweeteners, your sucrose, your stevia, any additives that you're putting in. Okay, put that on the bottom. But be open and honest and transparent with the consumer. Let them know what you're doing. If our segment, the sports supplement industry, does not go in this direction, Mm -hmm. that the rest of the industry is going in and that consumers are now starting to demand they are. we're going to have a problem 5, 10, 15 years down the line. The good news is these new guys coming up, and I don't mean new guys in the industry, I mean guys who are leaving their old companies right. and doing it. They're going in this direction. It's like a renaissance. It's a revolution. That's fun. So. And you're leading it the whole way. Cool. Yeah, Any yeah. other changes you'd uh, propose? Or are we... Yeah, I, I, I'm just a big proponent of openness and honesty. You know, awesome. There's things like, you hear me talk about whey protein concentrate. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big scam because whey protein concentrate listed on a label is a proprietary blend in a, you know, let's, skip, let's skip that for another video. So this is kind of okay, like okay, how we're going to fix the FDA when we become lobbyists someday. I'm but, just joking. But let's get back to that question. We I will mean, though. Yeah, let's make the, the, the FDA question. The biggest oh, okay, issue is yeah. not what you asked before that the regulations are not there. Mm -hmm. The biggest issue is the FDA has created these laws. Congress has passed these laws. They are tough but they never had the ability to follow through. Mm -hmm. They're given the bark, but no bite. They never had funding. Now that the, the Office of Dietary Supplement has been changed to its own office, right. not just the division or department within the other, they're getting their own leadership, they're getting their own funding, and maybe that will change. Have Instead you felt of, anything from that yet? Not November yet. 2016 right now, yeah. just so you know, so there's yeah, not, not things yet, happening. But hopefully, much more money is going to be pumped into, the, into that office. The audits will start gearing up. Instead of 20, 25% of audits out there, they're going to be auditing 90 something percent of the companies out there and that will change the industry but that's a key thing that mm -hmm. change that they just said hopefully doesn't just go political 
They actually use that funding, use that money, use their new leadership, mm -hmm. and they start going after CFR 111 and, and, and auditing uh, more. But let's not get lost because let's combine these couple topics that we just did. Mm -hmm. GMP is manufacturing. Right. There are a lot of really good high-end GMP contract manufacturers out there that mm -hmm. make Indeed. a perfect product. Right. Okay. But if the formula still sucks, you have a perfect Sucks. <laughs> yeah. So you have to combine both. You have to start with a formulation that's not window dressed, that's not just fairy dusting ingredients and they're mm -hmm. not proprietary blends and hiding everything and you don't really care about the outcome, you just want to make it look good on the label because that's what a lot of products are. They send it to a GMP manufacturer, that GMP manufacturer makes it to perfection, no contamination, perfect label claim, every ingredient tested. They then go to a third party GMP certification company, boom, they test it, they put it on there, now they have certification but the product still sucks because the formulation is garbage. None of these GMP certifications or the FDA care about your formula. They're right. not, they no, can't, right. they just can't yeah. do it. They can't right. say whether this is a good or a bad formula. Mm -hmm. They're just making sure your label claim and it's manufactured properly. Yeah. So the consumer's got to realize that all of these things are a double-edged sword. GMP is a double-edged sword. Certifications are a double-edged sword because you start to believe in them. And if you believe in a GMP sticker and a GMP contract manufacturer, and that guy's doing a real good job, then you buy that product. Oh, it's been third-party tested. I will buy it. Mm -hmm. But this formula still sucks. So what do you do? So, you know, the whole industry's got to kind of move into this non-proprietary, full-label disclosure, GMP, manufacturing. And when those two come together, that's when the consumer is protected. That's when the consumer gets a great product. Formulation's great. Manufacturing is great, you put them together, the consumer gets benefit, and that's where this industry has to awesome. go. All right. Well, this is Mike with Pricefell. We're at the NutriBio headquarters with Mark Glazier, and uh, always fun to get you going. <laughs>